time. We're going to jump back into Acts 20 as we're doing this kind of a review through Acts 20 and then also sharing the notes that uh, uh, Wearsby wrote in his uh, Bible exposition commentary. And last week we took the, the time to go through um, a discussion on the first few verses of Paul's address to the Ephesians. And I hate to turn those sleeves inside out, but I'm doing it anyway. <clears throat> and he was talking kind of about his his past a bit. And in those first few verses, um, verses 18 through 21, as he was reviewing, he was talking about how how he served the Lord and what capacity he 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 was being obedient and just the various things that he had done and how he had spared no no part of the good news to everyone that he had ministered to. And so remember, he's talking to these elders um, from, from Ephesus, and they've come essentially to get, get this farewell address. I mean, Paul knows that he's wrapping up his ministry. He knows that, that um, he's going to kind of charge them to continue on. And so he began with those words that we went through last week. And so our, our next stop is going to be at, uh, after the review of the past, we're going to take a look at a testimony of the present in verses 22 through 27. And so now he's, he's going to switch from the past and move into the, the, the current state of affairs. And in verse 22, we'll just start reading there this morning. He opens up with the words, he says, And now behold, and that shifts the emphasis from the past to now. So he says, And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I, do, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And so we'll pause right there. And uh, as we did last week, let me share these notes from, from Warren Wearsby. He says, the phrase, and now behold, shifts from the, the past to the present. Paul opens his heart and tells his friends just how he feels. He did not hide from them the fact that he was bound in his spirit to go to Jerusalem, even though he knew that danger and possible death awaited him there. The Holy Spirit had witnessed this message to him in city after city. A lesser man <coughs> may have found some way to escape, but not Paul. He was too gripped by his calling and his devotion to Jesus Christ to look for some safe and easy way out. In his testimony, Paul used several graphic pictures in his ministry to explain why he would not quit and would go to Jerusalem to die for Jesus Christ if necessary. Paul could say none of these things move me because he knew that he was a minister of Jesus Christ. 
And so let's look at these things that Wearsby points out. He, uh, he, calls him, he calls him six different things here. He calls him an accountant. He calls him a runner. He calls him a steward. He calls him a witness, a herald, and a watchman. <clears throat> and he gets that from those, from, just from those verses. And he goes through a, a series here of explanation of how we can, can use these as examples in ministry. And, and keep in mind, he's really talking here to pastors and elders, leaders of the church. But these, th these same principles apply to any of us involved in ministry on any level. And so it's a good idea to just, just kind of keep these things in mind a little bit. And I love the way that, that Wearsby kind of splits these out and helps us um, to, to look at them. He points out in verse 24, he says, Paul saw himself as an accountant, one who examined his assets and liabilities and decided to put Jesus Christ ahead of everything else. He had faced this kind of reckoning early in his ministry and had willingly made the spiritual <clears throat> the number one priority in his life. So if you listen to what Wearsby saying, he's saying that when Paul sat down and he looked at everything he had, and he looked at all the, the, the gifts that had been given him, the blessings that were, were brought his way, the, the choices he could make, he would take an account of everything he had in his life, and he would say that Jesus Christ comes before everything else. And, and we're going to use this accounting of his things in life as a basis for how he makes all of his other decisions. Because once you take an account of everything you have in life and you realize that Christ is first, then all the other things that you are looking at fall into a whole different category. And it changes your perspective and your point of view on what you have in your life. And so I think Wearsby starts with that for a specific reason, because unless you are properly accounting everything, it's difficult to be a good steward. It's difficult to finish the race. It's difficult to be a herald and all the other things that we're going to talk about here as we read down through uh, these notes. It says he also saw himself as a runner who wanted to finish his course in joyful victory. The three phrases, my life, my course, and the ministry are the key. Paul realized that his life was God's gift to him and that God had a special place in his life that would be fulfilled in his ministry. Paul was devoted to a great person serving the Lord and motivated by a great purpose, and that was the building of the church. But here we get into something that I think is, is really applicable to all of us. The third picture here is of Paul as a steward. And Wearsby writes, for his ministry was something that he had received from the Lord. Paul looked at his ministry as gift. He looked at the ability to go out and proclaim the gospel of Christ and to go out and to spread the good news and to establish churches and to go through all these different cities and towns and preaching in the synagogues and even to be imprisoned and to be tortured and to be threatened with death. All of this was a gift. And he looked at that in a certain way. And so Wearsby says, that when we talk about a steward, the steward owns little or nothing, but he possesses all things. His sole purpose is to serve his master and please him. Moreover, it is required in stewards from 1 Corinthians 4.2 that stewards be found faithful. 
a steward must one day give an account of his ministry, and Paul was ready for that day. And I think if we, if, we, if we take the opportunity sometimes to step back from all of the distractions in the world and all the things that, that we are, you know, we're employees, we're employers, we are friends, we are husbands, wives, daughters, sons, all these things that we are, these different roles that we play. Sometimes we can be at home and it's really easy for us to, to say, well, this is my family that God has given me. And I'm going to put God first in this house. Sometimes that's difficult. But sometimes we can pull that off a lot easier than when we get in our car and we drive to work. And we walk through the doors of the office or we walk through the doors of the plant or wherever we may be. And to keep the same mindset that in all things, God is our source. All of these other things are just a resource. And if this job were to go away, we have to remember that God gave us that job to begin with. And if we lose that, well, our source is still there. It's still plentiful. And to keep that mindset when we walk into the office or wherever we're going to go to work, into the workplace with other people, and come to the realization that, that we need to put God first in that area as well. Because I know all too well when you walk through the doors of a, of a workplace, it is so easy to take the, the mindset from home and to shut it out and to say, well, here I'm this person at work or at home. I am this person and at church. Maybe I'm this person. And it, it's not necessarily a conscious decision, but it's how we compartmentalize our life. And, and the call from God is to give everything over to him because he owns it all anyway. And when we start to compartmentalize things and we start to say that this takes priority or this is different, God is first in all of these compartments. And it's a challenge. It was for me and continues to be a challenge to, to walk in, sit down, start working with customers and, and realize that I am a Christian first and foremost and that I have a ministry before me that is a gift and then all these other things are a gift. My family's a gift. My job is a gift. The ability to get up every morning and even though I'm hobbling, I'm still walking, that's a gift. And to be able to put all of that in proper perspective is a challenge. But Wiersbe's making the point that Paul looked at all these things and said, God has given them to me, so I am now a steward of all these things. So I have to, if, if, if my ministry is my job, then I have to realize that God gave this to me and I have to treat it as such. If my family, if I realize it's a gift from God, then I'm a steward of the family and I have to treat it as such. And I have to be found faithful in all of these areas of life because I'm the same person in all of those places and, and, and to divide them up and to try to shut God out of one or the other is not what God is asking us to do. And so Wiersbe is really looking at, at Paul here and saying, Paul was very much aware of all of the gifts in his life. And he counted himself as a steward of all these things that God had given him. And he was ready to be called to account at any time for what he had done and how he had lived his life. <coughs> I'll pause there while I try to recover. Any comments? 
Okay, so that's, that's a picture of Paul as a steward. The next picture is that of a witness testifying of the gospel of the grace of God. The word means to solemnly give witness. And, <coughs> excuse me, and it reminds us of the seriousness of the message of the ministry. As we share the gospel with others, it's a matter of life or death. Paul was a faithful witness both in the life that he lived and in the message that he preached. And if you think about it, that's why he's able to say that I didn't shirk and I gave you the whole counsel of God. And he says, I testify to you back in verse 26, that this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. You can't count me as one who didn't take the opportunity to share with everyone. Now, I wish, I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that I am innocent of the blood of all, and I've taken every opportunity to lead people to Christ in every situation. And that's really what Paul's saying here. I've, I've been obedient. I've done what I was told to do. And he's telling the elders of the church, essentially, that's your job too. It's your job moving forward to be obedient and, and to, to testify in every opportunity <coughs> and to not to not have uh, <coughs> excuse me I'm sorry and to not have second thoughts to not be concerned I, I think I opened last week's uh, class here with y'all uh, talking about how far too often I'm I, I still get that welling up of should I say something could I say something what's this person going to think of me how is this going to end and it's that it's, it's those feelings that that Paul is saying, you know, we need to suppress those. And uh, and this is this is a picture of what Paul has done as a witness for Christ. But it moves into this next picture. Wearsby says that the picture number five is one as, as a herald. And uh, I, I found this one interesting. The word preaching means to declare a message as the herald of the king. A witness tells what has happened to him, which is what Paul has been very, very thorough in doing, but a herald is to declare a message from the king. So it says here, the witness tells what happened to him, but the herald tells what the king has declared to him. He is a man commissioned and sent with a message, <clears throat> and he must not change that message in any way. And since he is sent by the king, the people who listen had better be careful how they treat both the messenger and the message. And I thought that was a really interesting observation by Wearsby when he's talking about Paul being a preacher, being one who's not only witnessing what has happened to him, but he is also proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And that, that last thing where, where Wearsby says, that since the messenger is sent by the king, we, we had better be careful how we treat both the messenger and the message. There's a lot in that to me for how we have an opportunity each and every day when we listen to the message that is brought, whether it's brought by our pastor, whether it's brought by other sources that we feed, choose to, to feed our spiritual life with throughout the week. Um, <clears throat> but it's also, I think, a warning to those who are who are preaching and who are teaching 
make sure that your heart and your mind is fixed upon God. Because if you're going to proclaim to be a messenger, you better be one. You better get yourself in a situation to be guided and led by the Holy Spirit to deliver what it is that, that you feel that you should be delivering. And, and, that, and, and that, you know, I've, I've, seen, I've seen examples of, of folks who are, are truly led by the Spirit to put together a message and deliver a message. And I've seen those who have used things that are more packaged, so to say, so to speak. And there's a difference in how it affects you. There's a difference in, in, in the emotion that comes through in the message. It matters if it's spirit-led. It matters if it's pulled out of the box. And uh, I'm not trying to, to criticize where, where, where preachers or, or anyone get their, their, their inspiration. Because there, I think it was LD, he said, any preacher will tell you that everything he says is 100% his is lying. Um, it doesn't work that way. You get inspired by a lot of things. And you can be inspired by another message. You can be inspired by, by something you see or you, you, when you're open to it. But making sure that, that you proclaim what God has laid on your heart to proclaim is the number one thing that I think Wearsby is bringing out here. <coughs> Any other comments? Well, I, again. I have one. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've talked about foreigners a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be used to too. And I think there was a time in my life where I was like, where do preachers get their sermon from? Like, do they just come up with all of that by themselves? Do they really know all of that? And then when I started personally reading something like a Bible commentary, I was like, this is so different. I didn't know that you could read the Bible, not understand something, or have your own perspective on it, then, you know, this allows you to read someone else's perspective. You know, it's not divinely inspired, but right. I have really, like, my eyes have been opened once I have started reading, like, a Bible commentary. So it's not just for the preacher to read. Not at all. Or for the Sunday school teacher to read. Like, it is very interesting and helpful on a personal level. The tricky part is I still like to use the book format. So sometimes if I'm really intending to read the Bible and get something out of it, that doesn't just look like one book. That might look like two or three books, um, maybe a dictionary, maybe a notebook. So that is different looking than what I thought you know, is. Sit down, read your Bible. Think about what it means, and, and there there's room for that for reflection and meditation on the words. But it's just nice to be able to have a a kind of a guide of someone that's knowledgeable. That you don't have to feel like if you don't understand it, well, it, it can't be understood necessarily. Yeah, I, I used to. Um, I I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think it was Dave Wood years ago who told me that if he was going through scripture to prepare a lesson <clears throat> and, and found that there was something that just wasn't clear, he would go to his library of commentaries and pull out and start reading the different points of view. I mean, he, I, I'm sure he prayerfully went into everything, but he would read the different points of view and try to find agreement among scholars and let that try to influence 
how he believed. You, you can't blindly take a scholar at, his, at, at any scholar, any teacher or any scholar, um, but you should always use it as a, as, a, as a jumping off point or a foundation or however you want to say it, to try to start interpreting and, 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 and get all the different opinions from folks. I think it's, that's, a, that's a wonderful point that um, if you have a study Bible <coughs> that has all the commentaries in it that have been written for that particular, um, that particular version that you're, you're, you're going through, that's wonderful, but to be able to open up from, um, whether it's from Wearsby or, or if you want to go from MacArthur or wherever, there's there's a lot of places where you can go and get additional insight into it. And there's, but there's two things to that, right? One, like you said, it takes time. It takes additional time and, 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 and effort. Um, and, and you have to get the mindset that you really want to dig. And, and sometimes, again, getting all wrapped up in the world, it's so hard to do that. It really is, because you get your Bible reading in and you think, well, okay, I got it in, but did I really get that? Did I really understand it? Is it really sinking in? And uh, those commentaries, yeah, preachers rely on those a lot and, uh, and, and, and to, in order to, to get different points of view and perspective, so. <laughs> So a lot of the commentaries are kind of like at our fingertips now, which is wonderful, but I also find that I go down a rabbit hole and maybe I get distracted, so I try to stick to my book catching books. Well what makes me what makes me sick is I've got this I've got Lagos Bible study software and it's it's a library of I there's like twelve hundred books in this thing. And I find myself referencing about five of them all the time. And all the others just sit there, and sometimes I'll go. Sometimes I'll go back to some of the others. But you get really comfortable. You find that certain people have a way of communicating with you that works. And uh, you know, when Jordan was here, he had his commentaries that he really, really went to all the time. And uh, and I've got I've got LD and I tend to get, is weird. We we have the same the same people uh, that we reference a lot and. Uh, then he, he brought John Stott into the picture and I've started reading some of John Stott's stuff. And, uh, and it, it really does enhance um, enhance the, the reading of the word and the study of the word. It really does. And, and so, you know, I, I think about what we just talked about and I think about Paul. What did Paul have? Paul had the scriptures, the Old Testament essentially, he had what he had been taught. He had his experience, obviously, with, with Jesus. Um, and he had the Holy Spirit. So, <clears throat> so, so don't, don't misunderstand <clears throat> that without the commentaries, you can't understand God's word, and it can't enrich your life, and you can't be in ministry. Because Paul didn't have any of those things. We're blessed that we have those. But at the same time, you know, don't look at it and go, well, I don't have this and that. The other thing, uh, how am I ever going to come to understanding? Um, Paul got there, and, and he, he had much less than what we have today. But everybody, as a saved individual, has the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the promises that Jesus gave us for the purpose of the Holy Spirit and what was to happen when the Holy Spirit would come, that's what's most important. I think about that oftentimes and realize that 
Jesus had said that that essentially when when he would be away from uh, when he would leave, then the Holy Spirit would come and basically fill that void and be the one who would come along beside you and lead you and would open up the, the scripture to you. And so uh, the commentaries do serve to be another tool, but um, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is number one. Anything else? All right, let's go into the final picture here. Uh, the final picture and perhaps the most dramatic is that of a watchman. Um, this is a reference to the watchman of the walls in Ezekiel uh, chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. <clears throat> I'll let you read that. We're going to run out of time here this morning. But um, Wiersbe says, What a serious calling it was to be a watchman. He had to stay awake and alert, ready to sound the alarm if he saw danger approaching. He had to be faithful, not fearful because the safety of many people rested with him. Paul had been a faithful watchman, for he had declared to sinners and saints all the counsel of God. Unfortunately, we have today many unfaithful watchmen who think only of themselves. And I wanted to get to this this morning because I love this line. It says, a group of servicemen asked their new chaplain if he believed in a real hell for lost sinners. And he smiled and told them that he did not. So the serviceman replied, then you're wasting our time, chaplain. If there's no hell, then we don't need you. And if there is a hell, then you're leading us astray. Either way, we're better off without you. I thought that was something I absolutely fell in love with when I read that. So as a watchman, as someone who is trying to warn others of what they need to the need to be um, concerned about and sounding alarms for danger. <clears throat> if you don't believe that there is a danger, if you don't truly believe that there is a punishment for sinners without Christ, then you have no message. You have nothing to share. And you have no importance. And, and, and Paul truly understood that the message he was sharing was that of salvation. And it was a message that needed to be spread in order to save people. You know, when, when we use the term salvation, it has a lot of connotation. But the biggest thing truly is that you're, you're, you're being saved from, from death, saved from torment, and, and being able to have an opportunity for eternal life. And so being a watchman as Paul was, um, is something I think that we're all called to do as Christians and, and be able to sound the alarm and let people know. It also says that if you're the watchman and you give the warning, people don't listen to you and they're close on their own. Exactly. Exactly. Yep, and that's why I think, you know, Paul Paul could 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 proclaim that with a with a clear conscience, he could proclaim that. <clears throat> well, we'll stop there and uh, pick up again next week and finish this out. So I appreciate your patience as we go through it. But I know we had already read through it once, uh, but I wanted to come back and, and hit these additional points to try and drive it home a little bit, uh, a little bit harder. So any uh, closing comments as we 
leave for the morning? All right, well, thank you all for being here. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for your word. Lord, we're so grateful. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come here and to study it uh, with all these folks who, who, who join us each Sunday morning. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for the impact that your word has and, and all the benefits that it brings into our life. It helps us to know you, Lord. It helps us uh, to, find a, find, to find solace. It helps us to uh, just be able to, as, as the scriptures say, uh, to be able to light our path and help us to make the choices each and every day. Lord, help us to be mindful of, of all these things as we go about our daily routine and help us to remember that uh, we need to put you first in everything that we do and not compartmentalize and not try to shut you out, but to realize that everything around us, everything that we see, everything that we cherish, they're gifts from you. And we are called to be stewards of these things and help us to know what we need to do. Inspire us, Lord so that we can make the right decisions and show others around us what it means to uh, be a child of God. Thank you, Lord, again for all that you've done. Uh, prepare our hearts and our minds as we enter into worship this day. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.